Welcome, welcome again this morning to Milestone McKinney. We're so honored that you joined us. As Alex said earlier, we know each and every week it's someone's first time. That's a big deal to Wendy and I and to our team. And so if I hadn't had a chance to meet you yet, we look forward to meeting you after service. So thank you so much for joining us. Well, we're continuing part two of our series, Invisible Enemies. And we set up last week, we talked about the reality that we all have this adversary. Uh, His name is the devil, the enemy. He's an adversary that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And recognizing that we sometimes, when we're going through challenging situations, difficult times, when we're trying to, to wrestle through a decision that needs to be made, oftentimes we think that it's just a circumstance when in reality it could be a spiritual battle we're in. Now, again, there are times where sometimes we'll over-spiritualize things. We talked about last week, uh, someone will say, you know, the devil made me do it. Kind of in funny and in jest I shared last week. That's why Wendy said she got a goat. I said, the devil made me do it. Made me get Wendy a goat for our 20-year wedding anniversary. It wasn't the devil. It was the Lord, and it was love that we got her a goat affectionately named Mr. Darcy. And so, yeah, we can, we can over-spiritualize it sometimes, but oftentimes the reality is we are really in a spiritual battle. The question is, and that's what we talked about last week, is how do I recognize if I'm in a spiritual battle? And then what do I do when I recognize that I'm in one? How do I navigate that? What does that look like? And we talked about last week the theme, the emphasis last week was this. Because of what Christ did on the cross, I'm actually living life from victory. I'm actually moving from victory. I'm not trying to obtain victory. I'm not trying to work for it. I'm not trying to strive to acquire victory. What Jesus did on the cross is more than enough. We have victory in him. We have victory because of what he did in the finished work of Jesus Christ. So I don't have to strive for it. I don't have to work for it. I'm actually living life from it. What I want to do today is the theme today is really setting up, okay, now how do I live that out practically? What does that look like? How do I practically access victory every single day? I'm going to ask you to open up your Bibles, Acts chapter 4. We're going to get there in just a little bit. And and to be honest, today, if you're taking notes, I'm going to share a lot of scripture with you today. Because what I want to do is, again, the goal, the heart is I want to help empower you, encourage you, equip you. What does it look like? Things that I've learned. I haven't been perfect. I I don't have it all figured out. But these are things I've learned through the years. How to navigate spiritual battles. How to navigate these challenging times and situations that we walk through. What do I do? How do I navigate it? What, what, What is it? in how I need to see things and how I need to process things. And, and oftentimes when you think about a battle, when you think about fighting, I guess you could say, the way we think about it is different than maybe the way, than, than in reality, honestly, it's different than the way the Bible tells us to handle it. The, what, what God's word says oftentimes can be different in how we think we should handle a battle. In fact, Paul writes this, and we'll look in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. It says, the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of this world. So what's he saying? The way you think you should operate in this battle is not actually how you should operate in this battle. You may be thinking, what's the angle? What do I need to do? How do I pragmatically figure this out and work it? And how do I just push through and 
solve the problem. And look, I'm not saying when you're in the middle of a spiritual battle and you're walking and growing your relationship with God, it's not as though you check your brain at the door. It's not about get a lobotomy and you don't actually like think through like how do I navigate this in a pragmatic way. There, there is problem solving that goes into it, but oftentimes we fail to realize, we overemphasize the pragmatic and fail to realize there's a spiritual component that's going on here. In fact, that's what Paul's saying. The way you fight in these battles, when you're in a spiritual battle, it's not just solving the equation and solving the problem. He's actually saying that really what you need to realize is on the contrary, there's divine power that you need to demolish the strongholds in the spiritual battle you're in. Divine power. There is a power that you have to tap into that when you're in the middle of a spiritual battle is more than just your experience, your knowledge, your skill set, your personality, your drive, your willingness to just muscle it out and make it happen. So how does power work? Think about power. Think about the things you enjoy when they are powered up. Nowadays, everything is like moving to battery-operated power. And, you know, I I mean, you got lawnmowers that are battery-operated, weed eaters. There's nothing worse than when the battery is not charged. You know what I'm talking about? I, I can remember one morning I got up. Work out early in the morning, it's dark outside, cricket's still going, you know, it's, and I'm going. And I notice when I, when I walk past my, my passenger door that someone in my family, other than me, because it wasn't the driver's side door, I mean, I'm not putting any names to it, but someone didn't fully shut the door so it stayed open all night long, which means the light was on, which means, you guessed it, my battery was dead. Okay, not a problem. We'll just jump the vehicle. No big deal. Try not to wake anybody up. Everyone's still asleep, okay? Most people in my neighborhood are still asleep, all right? There's a slight problem. I park on the left side of the driveway, and my battery is on the left side of my vehicle. My wife parks on the right side, and her battery is, guess where? On the right side of her vehicle. So I literally, I'm backing out her vehicle, and I get it as close as I can. I'm like, all right, cool, no problem. I got this problem solved. I just Jumper cables, and I'm here. I'm like, Ugh. I'm just there's just not enough. I need to get some of those. Some of you got them. You got those industrial, like 34 foot, you know, jumper cable. Apparently, I need to invest into that, okay? You know, either if you have a large vehicle or you have potential children or family members that may not close the door, drain your battery, and then your battery's dead when you get out because they left the light on all night. I'm not bitter about it. It's all good. It's what happens, okay? <laughs> So, okay, this isn't going to work. So then I back the van out. I pull it in the street. I'm like, I'm going for this. I'm committed to getting on my workout, okay? Nighttime, I, 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 there was a moment I thought, someone's going to call the cops on me because the garage is open. I just pulled the van out. It's parked. All of a sudden, I'm basically rolling my, my vehicle out of the garage because it sits flat. There's no incline. I got to roll it out, and I'm rolling it just enough. I hop in. I got to, like, not pump the rail. I got to let it slowly roll. And then if you, you, you know, like, when you don't have the car started, like the power steering, you never realize how much you lean on power steering. You know, when you, you're sitting there, you rolling, you're all cruising, you're like, yeah, you turn in with a finger and you feel all cool about yourself. Like, just drive a vehicle doesn't have power steering, you're like full on, like, I mean, you think you'd open it like a hatch in a submarine, you know? And it's like, I'm getting it out, I finally get it out there, I roll my car out, I pull Wendy's van up, I jump the vehicle, I pull Wendy's car in, I drive off, I get to the workout, and it's awesome. And you're thinking, okay, what's the point? Well, maybe you don't relate to a car battery being dead. Because some of you in here are like, well, I got AAA. I just call them. They just come help me out. I, I'll just call my husband. He's my hero. He'll just come and save the day and jump my vehicle and it's all well and good. Okay. All right. I'll talk to something that will translate to every person in here. 
your battery on your phone is about to go out and you are freaking out. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You know what I'm saying? I see some of you. You've got not only your phone, you have this big old portable like battery that you carry along with you to make sure I see fingers being pointed over here in this general vicinity. You know what I'm talking about? Heaven forbid your phone battery goes out. Some of you so committed, you got so techy, the battery that you have to charge your phone, it's like attached to your like phone case. Like you look like you're walking around like you're talking on a brick. I mean, it's back to 1988, those first portable phones. You know, that's what it looks like now because you got the battery on there. Why? Because we don't want the battery to die. Why? Because we recognize the significance of power in our life. There's a divine power that Paul's talking about here that says, there's a power you have access to. The question is, are you accessing that power? And having walked with Christians and people and passionate people, counseling, leading people, here's what I've realized more often than not for us as believers. We are living at a level lower and not accessing the power that we have access to in our life on a regular basis. There is more power that we have access to. There is more that we can access, but we live at a level with less power because why? We just want to? No. We don't realize how do we access that divine power and where does it come from. Here's what the Bible says. That divine power comes from the third person of the Trinity. His name is the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to talk today about the person of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is significant. In our present day, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We have more than enough because of what he did. We have victory because of what he did. But in our present day, in order for us to walk out that, Jesus gave us the person of the Holy Spirit. And we have to access that divine power because it's that divine power that allows us to be able to walk in victory every single day when we're making decisions, when we're navigating challenges, and we're trying to work through a spiritual battle. It's the person of the Holy Spirit. He's not a thought, he's not a theory, he's not an image, he's not imagery, he's not a dove, you know, all the things that we may think about. He is a person, and you can have a relationship with him. It's not just some abstract thought. He is the person of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I've realized, I've realized this, there can sometimes be barriers to accessing this divine power. What are some of those? I want to lay out some of those things. And and as I said, I'm going to share a lot of scripture with you today, but I'm also going to lay out this. I'll probably probably teach a little bit more because I want to equip you and empower you. What are some of those barriers? Well, sometimes one of the struggles that we have when it comes to our relationship with the Holy Spirit, and think about that thought, relationship. That means that's because he is the person of the the third person of the Trinity, the person of the Holy Spirit. I have a relationship with him. I want to engage with him. We'll we'll read later in Ephesians about how we can grieve the Holy Spirit because we don't engage in a relationship with him. One of the challenges can be cultural. You see, culturally, it's hard for us to wrap our brain around the fact when I have a challenge, I don't just muscle it out. I don't just figure it out. It's hard for us to wrap our brain around the fact that there is actually access and power to uh, access to power outside of ourselves. We live in a western culture and a western mindset that says do more, work harder. When something pushes, you push hard. Now don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying we shouldn't work hard. I'm not saying we shouldn't have effort and 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 there isn't an actual pragmatic practical solution to a challenge. There very well may be. But our normal bend, the reason we have a challenge with engaging with the person of the Holy Spirit is because we don't recognize culturally it's impacted how we see him. We just see him as 
part of the Holy Spirit. We, we see him as the third. Th- we, we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's just the and the at the end of our prayers. No, no, no. He's actually a person, and he's the person that gives us the divine power that we need to be able to walk in the victory that Jesus gave us on the cross. You see, even in our own mind, culturally, the Bible, when we read this word, we read it through a Western lens. The truth is, this is a little more African and Asian. That Middle Eastern area has culturally more of an African and Asian context in what's written. But when I read this, because of the culture and context that I've grown up in, what begins to happen is I view it through a Western thought process, a Western philosophy and culture. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 2.14, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. You see, the revelation that has to happen, you think about our younger generation, it's not our young people in the next generation don't need more logic. They need an encounter with the person of the Holy Spirit because it's the Holy Spirit. What they need is a revelation. Because when you have a revelation of God in your life, then what happens is the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate what this word says, helping them understand and then in turn knowing how to live it out. So, And it's not just the next generation, it's for us as well. Because in our context, our thought is, let me just do more, let me work harder, let me push through, let me aggregate all the information that I easily have access to on my device that I hold in my hand, and that is the solution. So culturally, sometimes that can be a barrier. Here's another barrier, theologically. Theologically, some of us grew up in a heritage that the context and the person of the Holy Spirit is for yesterday. That that he's not operating and working anymore and that what he did do, and when we read the word of God, what he did was for then. Well, if that's the lens that we view through and that's the theological box that we put the person of the Holy Spirit in, then why would we access the divine power that we have access to? Because we don't see that he, he is working and active and wants to be active and working today. We think that his power and his working was for yesterday. So sometimes theologically that can be a challenge. I think another barrier and probably the third barrier is experiential. Perhaps you're in a church and in a service or an environment where, where things seemed a little more chaotic and it was said to be the spirit of God, you know, and it, it, there wasn't a lot of order. Or maybe you haven't necessarily personally experienced that, but you've heard that or you think that or you have a preconceived idea of that. And what happens is we create a person or a perspective about the person of the Holy Spirit that's outside of actually God's word. So we're going to look at God's word. What does God's word say? What does Jesus say about the person of the Holy Spirit and how we engage with him? You see, I want to help us in this area because I don't want these barriers to keep you from the divine power you have access to. We all have access to this divine power. We all need it. I need it. I need it every day. I need it for the situations that I walk through. I need it for the challenges that I experience. I need this divine power every single day. You see, each one of us need the present, active presence of the Holy Spirit in our life. Because when we don't have that, when we walk through situations, when you just walk through everyday life, much less challenging times, can I tell you, you're going to get discouraged, you're going to feel like there's no hope, and you're going to go, what's the point? But when he's active and present, it changes things. 
So we're going to look, and on our way to Acts 4, I want to give you some scripture. I told you I'm going to give you a lot of scripture today. Because what I want to do is I want to help you see the person of the Holy Spirit has been working from Genesis all the way through Revelation. He's in this word. You can see the Holy Spirit working throughout the entirety of the word of God. He's not just compartmentalized to one simple aspect, one simple act, or one simple portion of this word. He's working throughout the whole thing. And I want to look at Zechariah chapter 4. It's one of my favorite scriptures. And honestly, it's one of my favorite scriptures because it really speaks to me and it challenges me and it challenges a band, maybe a propensity that I tend to have and and maybe you do too. Zechariah is writing here and and it says, Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6, it says, So he said to me, the word of the Lord of Zerubbabel is this, not by might nor by power but by my spirit says the Lord Almighty. You see, so many times what can happen is when we're looking, God, what are you doing? We lean into previous experience. We lean into our drive, our personality. But what he's saying here, what's happening here is the prophet. Now, this speaks to me because this is my bend. I'm just going to be honest. When I, when I come across a situation, a challenge, something that needs to be navigated, I can tend to lean into you know, my personality, my drive, my thought. I can lean, I've been doing this for over 20 years, pastoring and leading people. If I'm not careful, I'll lean into my experience. I'm doing this a long time. This is what it looks like. But I'm going, no, 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 hold on. I want to not lead by power and might. I want to lead by my, by the, I want to be led by the Spirit of the Lord. I, even before, I mean, I've been preaching for years since I was 19 years old. I'm 44 now. That's a long time. If not careful, I can, when I, before I get, I'm over here and I'm worshiping. Y'all are like, oh, look, Pastor Chris, he's worshiping. And I'm worshiping, but really I'm praying. I'm like, God, not in my own strength. Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And I can remember, this has been a scripture I'd seen, I'd stood upon, I'd prayed. But the Lord reminded me of this just after we went into COVID-19, shelter in place, shut down. And I'm thinking, all right, you know, you go, I'll go into, okay, let's fix it mode. Anyone resemble that when you're going through a situation? Let's fix it. Let's fix it. If, if you're not certain, just ask your spouse. They'll tell you. Wives will tell your husbands, you know, hey, I don't need you to fix it. Just listen. That, that'll apply with the Holy Spirit. You're trying to jump in and fix it. And the Holy Spirit said, will you just listen? I'm going to lead you and guide you. So I, I, I would do and. The Lord just spoke to me and said, look, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. I had to remind myself of this every single day because my propensity and my bend is to lean in. Now, here's what's happening. An angel of the Lord showed up to this prophet, Zerubbabel, and he told him. He said, look, I want you to recognize I've been with you before, but what I'm telling you is you're about to go into another challenge, another situation, another battle. And I want you to know that what you're about to experience, it's not just what you are currently experiencing. What you're about to experience, I was with you then, I will be with you now, and I will be with you in your future battles, because it's not by might nor by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. He's reminding the people, you've had victory in this battle, but I want you to remember, because they had victory, they'd won, and he's saying, look, 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 don't don't lean into your previous experience of winning this battle, I want you to recognize it's going to be my spirit that's going to lead you and guide you. You see, the work of the Holy Spirit is not just for what he did then. It's also for what he's going to do. And as we make our way to Acts chapter 4, 
and we look at what's happening here in this context, I want you to recognize, even in the New Testament, so whether you realize it or not, this is an Old Testament scripture. Some of you know that and go, okay, Pastor Chris, that's Old Testament. What about the New Testament? We're going to look in the New Testament. And we're going to look at scriptures and interactions that Jesus had with the disciples. Because can I tell you what Jesus was doing? He's preparing the disciples the same way the Spirit of God was preparing the people then and the same way the Spirit of God is preparing us. This divine power that we have access to that we can walk in. Jesus is having conversations with the disciples I want to show you a few scriptures of the interaction Jesus had as he's talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. First is John 16, 7. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Here's Jesus, the one who dies on the cross for my sins and yours. The same person that these disciples saw perform miracles, see the dead raised, see the blind see. Feed the 5,000. That same Jesus who did all those things. Remember, think about what the disciples are thinking. The disciples disciples are thinking. They're thinking, I've seen you, Jesus, do all this stuff, but now you're telling me that it's better for you to go away because you're going to send a helper and an advantage for me? I mean, that's how Jesus views the Holy Spirit. That's how, this is how Jesus, the very Son of God, the one who died on the cross, the one that we have access to victory in, this is how he views the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, regardless of my cultural, theological, or experiential lens that I view the Holy Spirit through, I want to go with what Jesus says. I'm going to go with what his word says. I'm going to go with his perspective on the Holy Spirit. It goes on, more conversations, John 20, verse 22 It says, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, some theologians think that it's in this moment that the disciples actually gave their life to Christ. That this is the moment of salvation for them because they were with him, right? We kind of understand and recognize when we give our life to Christ because we have this moment, Holy Spirit. The Bible says the Holy Spirit leads us into all truth. The Holy Spirit convicted us while we were still sinners, while we were still far off. The Holy Spirit speaks to us. We surrender our life to Christ. So we recognize that moment, but you start thinking, well, when did the disciples have that? They were with him. Oftentimes, some theologians, most theologians think this was that moment. Now, I don't know if that is the case, to be honest. But here's what I do know. Something significant happens when Jesus breathes on you. I don't know about you, but I need him to breathe on some situations and circumstances in my life. I need him to breathe on some challenges that I'm having in my family or in marriage or in in children, whatever. We need him to breathe on those things. I need a helper. I need an advantage. Anybody else or just me? I need him to work and move. This is what Jesus is saying. When Jesus begins to breathe on something, something happens. It changes. Luke 24, 49. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised. I love this. But stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. What is he saying? Can I summarize what he's saying? Just wait. Just wait. Now right there, I just poked on some of y'all. Because y'all don't like waiting. You're like me. You don't like waiting. You need, you need a little patience. Okay? And, and, and the Lord is speaking to you about, he's saying, if we would just stop, because here's what I do. When I see a circumstance or situation, I start doing. 
And what happens, I tend to get out in front of myself and I get beyond myself and I create more of a mess than needed to be. If I would just sit and wait, Jesus is saying, if you would stop all this doing and you would start waiting, you're going to receive power that is far greater than what you have access to in your own might and in your own strength. But our human nature and our bend is let's get out in front of it. Let's work on it. Let's try and control the situation. Let's own it. Let's What's he saying? Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Jesus saying, wait. There's a power you have access to if you just wait. It's not inactivity, it's trust. That's really the issue. Let's call it what it is. When I have trouble with waiting, it's because I really don't trust God is good, he is faithful, and he's going to work it out. So I feel that, God, can you step aside? Let me take care of this. Maybe that's just me. But that's how we tend to operate. Jesus is saying, wait, wait, wait. There's a, there's a divine power you have access to if you just wait. Acts 2, 4 says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, this is all leading up to Acts 4. What's happening in this moment? Jesus has died. He's ascended to heaven. He's at the right hand of the Father. The Holy Spirit has come. The disciples have begun a relationship with the Holy Spirit. They've engaged and interacted with him. Peter is preaching, thousands are being saved, lives are being transformed and changed. The religious leaders are like, hey, I don't like this, y'all stop, will y'all back up? That's what happens when the Spirit of God moves. People are saved, lives are changed, and religious people don't like it. That's what happens. You ever been in an environment like that? You'll recognize it and see it. God's working and moving, and the, 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 the religious leaders are like, y'all stop preaching. Peter and John, y'all quit. Peter and John's like... Hey, can't stop me. You, 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 can, you can try to contain me, but here I go. Like, good, just running back. You know what I mean? It's like Zeke, you know. Can't stop him, just hope to contain him. I know, it's two other football jokes, but it's okay. <laughs> and it's a cowboy joke at that. I know, it's hard. It's hard for us. I see some cowboy fans here. God bless you. Thank you. <laughs> you encouraged me this morning. Holy Spirit's using you. you he's saying, I, we're not stopping. And watch what happens in this interaction right here. Look at what happens, Acts chapter 4, verse 29. Now the Lord considered their threats and enable. Now, Lord, consider their threats. They're talking. Lord, consider what's happening. And enable your servant to speak your word with great boldness. So the disciples are going, look, look, look at these threats, this challenge, this spiritual battle that I'm in. Can you consider that? Can you help me out? Can you give me boldness? Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your Holy Spirit, your Holy Servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. You see, the disciples, once again, they had another encounter with the Holy Spirit. And when they did, what happened? There was bold. They were bold. There was this boldness that came out of them. It was courage. It was courage. You see, they had had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. That's what we read in John 20, 22. They received it. But yet here they are, they're having another encounter. What is that indicative to? It's indicative to what Paul writes. Again, Paul wrote in Ephesians, I referenced this earlier, Ephesians 4.30, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You can grieve the Holy Spirit. He is a person. The same way you can engage with him and embrace what he has to say, you can disregard him. Think of it this way. Any of you ever called a loved one or your spouse and they didn't answer the phone? 
Exactly. I'm, I, I don't know why. It just it gets me. So I, I, I'll call Love Biscuit. And that's what, that's what it says. It says Love Biscuit. She's Love Biscuit. I've got a picture of Love Biscuit right there. She calls me. It says Love Biscuit. A little heart kissy emoji. Perfect. I'm like, oh, you fine, boo. What you need? Hey, what you need, baby? I'm here to serve. Awesome. I love it. But when I call Love Biscuit, I'm ready for her to answer the phone. So when it goes, hi, this is Wendy, blah, I'm like, uh-uh, hang on. I don't even listen to voicemail no more. I just hang up. You know what I do? But it's going to be about 35 phone calls back to back to back to back to back to back. Answer that phone. <laughs> Holy Spirit's wanting to speak to you. He's calling you. You're sending him to voicemail. You can grieve the Holy Spirit because you can disregard him as much as you can engage with him, Right? So what does that look like? The engagement is ongoing. Ephesians 5, 18 says, be filled with the Spirit. That word filled in the Greek means ongoing and continuous. That's what happened. Disciples, Jesus, John 20, 22, breathes on them. Holy Spirit comes in them. And yet multiple times after this, Acts 4 is just one of them. You see this ongoing engagement, continual filling of interacting and engaging with the person of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus knew where you're going, disciples, you're going to need the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Because it's not going to be by might, and it's not going to be by power, and it's not going to be because you walked with me for three years, and you saw me perform miracles, and so now you feel like you know how to do it, and you're going to try and replicate it. No, 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 no. It's going to be by the Spirit of God working in and through your life. The same is true for us today. It's true for us today. You see, when you think about this, here's what I want us to understand. When you have an active and present relationship with the Holy Spirit, you have access to the help and power that you need for the battles you're in and the battles you're about to go into. He's got to be active and present. We need the Holy Spirit active and present in our life. I think about that in my own life, in my everyday life, even how we ended up here in McKinney. Some of you know the story, and, and I don't have time to go into all of it, but you can join us for 101 in two weeks, and I'll tell you the story. No, I'm just kidding. But I will tell you actually in 101. But it, it was God working and moving through so many different things that lined it up and brought us to where we're at now in McKinney. Originally, when we moved back to Texas, we thought it was to plant a church in Austin because that's where I'm from. And yet, here we are. God sends us to McKinney, and there's no better place we'd rather be. Can I tell you, it wasn't by might or by power or by what made sense or looked great. It was the Spirit of God that was leading us along the way as we trusted him and stepped out in faith every single step of the way. So what I'm telling you and encouraging you with, I'm not perfect at, but I tell you this, I've learned to live it. And I'm not that bright, and I know you're going, we know, Pastor Chris. I just simply have learned to be aware when is the Holy Spirit speaking and leading. And I've learned to recognize and go, okay, I'm going to trust that. Multiple times. Over this last month, there have been scenarios, conversations, situations. And my, my t- even now, having learned this and lived it for so long, I still want to lean into might and power. Experience. Here's what I should do. Ooh, time out. Pause. I'm going to wait. There's access that I have. There's power I have access to if I'll just wait. Holy Spirit, lead me. So what happens when when we engage with the person of the Holy Spirit? What begins to happen? See, because when we recognize that God's working and moving, remember, you think back to what I talked about. You have cultural, theological, and experiential context that we think of when we think of the person of the Holy Spirit. But I want to paint a picture. I want to give you an illustration that may help you. 
See, because maybe some of you, you grew up, and let's just say there was good theological, biblical teaching, which we need. You should have solid, sound, biblical teaching. What does this word say? What's the context of it? What is the meaning of it? Think of that as a fireplace. But there are some of us that grew up in a heritage that had great biblical teaching, real nice-looking fireplace, but there was no fire inside the fireplace. So you had a pretty-looking fireplace with no fire. Well, what's the point of a fireplace? Some of us grew up in an environment and a heritage, which is what I grew up in, Maybe there's a fire. It was kind of more of a fire pit sometimes. It wasn't really a fire pit, but they had a lot of fire. The only problem is they're burning themselves and everyone else around them. They're burning down the building. There's no order. It's chaotic and crazy. Okay, well, that's not good either. I think you can have an awesome, amazing, well-built, theologically sound fireplace and the Spirit of God and the fire of God residing inside it to do exactly what God always intended for it to do, to be a divine power that we have access to so we can navigate every single day of our lives. Think about the decisions you make, the things you're responsible for, the children, the businesses, the organizations, whatever it may be. I know about you. I need help and an advantage. I'm smart enough to know. I'm not smart enough to know. I need, we're looking, I got counseling, I got, th- listen to trusted voices in your life. Get counseling, all this, I need, I read this blog, I read that blog, I've got a consultant for this. Can I tell you, you have access to the greatest consultant in the history of history. His name is the Holy Spirit. And if you would engage in a relationship with him, you'll have a divine power that you need to live out every single day of your life. So what happens? How do we navigate this? How does the Holy Spirit give you the courage to move forward? Because when you're in the middle of a battle, you're in the middle of decisions that need to be made, how do you have the courage to move forward? I'm going to give you three practical things in the next few minutes to help you navigate that. First is this. When I don't know what to do, the Holy Spirit guides me. He guides me. He wants to speak to you. He wants to lead you and guide you. And as I said, seek wisdom, get counsel, be educated. But at the end of the day, stop and go, Holy Spirit, lead me and guide me. Help me understand and see. And can I tell you, this is why it's so important. I get passionate about it, and it never fails. I always lean back into young people. Wendy and I have done youth ministry and young adults for so long. So I get passionate. Parents, it's why we encourage you. When it's like camps and retreats and all of those things, why do we get so dialed into that? Because it's in moments like that that people experience Jesus. Young people experience the presence of God. 321 kids went to middle school last week. 51 of them gave their life to the Lord. These are middle schoolers, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade, giving their life to Jesus. And can I tell you some of the testimonies? Pastor Jesse, we're on a text thread with all these pastors, and, and, and Pastor Jesse's sending us these testimonies. These are some of the things kids were telling him, the testimonies they were hearing in small groups. God spoke to me for the first time. God gave me a word for my future. I closed my eyes and saw a vision for my future. There's a young man named Sam. This is Sam right here. I felt like God was speaking straight to my heart. God revealed himself to me and I fully surrendered my life to him. That's what we want. That's what you, I'm telling you, as a parent, that's what you want. You want to know, because look, I'm all about do the extracurricular stuff. There's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. But at the end of the day, you're going to need the Holy Spirit to help you know how to navigate that. Because when they leave your home and they're not in the context of them 
going to where you want them to go and they feel like they have to read their Bible and they have to go to church. When they have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, now it's I get to read my Bible. I get to go to church because when they leave your home, the thing you want more than anything is that they have a relationship with the Holy Spirit because it's going to be him that guides them and leads them. Not you dictating what they do. Not the Life 360 app that you have on your phone to track where they're at every waking minute. You have the work of the Holy Spirit in their heart and in their life. And if you help them grow in a relationship with him, I promise you, they'll end up where God has for them to be. He will lead and guide you when you don't know what to do. Anybody have kids and you're like, I don't know what to do? Holy Spirit's going to help you. You got a business decision, a challenge, a situation, I don't know what to do? Holy Spirit's going to help you. He's going to guide you. And I love it when young people and when pe- just people in general, but I do love it actually, not more than y'all. I mean, I like it when y'all engage with the Holy Spirit. But when, the Holy, when young people experience it, I get fired up. I'm like, let's go. But it inspires me because it's the same for all of us. And the truth is some of us have had an experience with the Holy Spirit, and we're like, oh, that was awesome. But we have to remember it's an ongoing feeling. How are you continuing to engage with the person of the Holy Spirit and grow in that? You can. And when you do... He'll help you. He'll lead you and guide you. Here's the second thing. When I want to give up, the Holy Spirit reminds me of God's truth. It reminds me of God's truth. Why is that so significant? When you're in the middle of a challenging situation or a spiritual battle, you're more susceptible to want to give up, quit, compromise, throw in the towel than ever before. But here's what the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit doesn't remind you of what your enemies say. The Holy Spirit doesn't remind you of what your circumstances saying or your situation. The Holy Spirit doesn't remind you of all the details. The Holy Spirit reminds you of who God says you are. Little tool that has helped me through the years personally and that I've given to people throughout the years when they're wrestling with, man, I just feel overwhelmed and I just feel uh, uh, frustrated. And then it starts to become internal and they start having all this negative talk about themselves and they start imploding internally, personally, spiritually, and emotionally. I say, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take five minutes at the beginning of each day for the next week, and I want you to stop and go, God, who do you say I am? Because when you start hearing who God says you are, it starts changing and transforming the way you see your circumstance and situation. You see, you need to start meditating on God's word. You meditate on it. Last week I shared, I was meeting with a young man who gave his life to the Lord two weeks ago. We had coffee. We met up this past week. We're sitting talking, and he's asking, like, Pastor Chris, will the temptation, I feel great, but will the temptations be as hard? And I was like, well, yeah. I mean, they're still going to be tempting. But you now have an advantage and a helper that you didn't have before Jesus was your Lord and Savior. And what you need to start doing is just like we looked at that scripture, not by, or, uh, uh, God's not giving me a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. You need to start meditating on that. Well, he said what many of us say. Well, I don't know how to meditate, Pastor Chris. How do you meditate on the word? Have you ever felt that? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you know how to worry? You're meditating. Just on the wrong thing. Rather than worrying, oh, my gosh, this circumstance, what's going to happen? I said, no, 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 time out. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. God, you haven't given me a spirit of fear, but power, love. and That means, God, I have access to power that you give me. There's love. You love me, and love can be my motivator. I can have a sound mind. I don't have to feel overwhelmed and anxious. I meditate. What is the word meditate? It actually, the imagery is this. When you look at it in the Greek, it actually, and in the Hebrew, it's similar to, like, chewing. You just kind of chew on, you know, like cow chewing cud. 
and you swallow it and you bring it back up. I know, that's kind of disgusting. <laughs> You're meditating on God's word. Can I tell you what that does? It begins to shape the way you see the situation. The Holy Spirit helps you with that. He's going to remind you, no, 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 no. I know what your circumstance says. I know what your situation says. Here's what God's word says. Here's what God says about you. Here's what God says about what he's going to do. That's what the Holy Spirit does. That's what we have access to, and he reminds us of those things. And then here's the last thing is this. When I'm in need, the Holy Spirit provides help for my weakness. I don't know about you, but whenever you're in a moment of need, I know I've been in them. When you're in a moment of need, you want to know what we feel? Vulnerable. And when we feel vulnerable, we feel weak. And when we feel weak, we can feel overwhelmed. But Jesus said the Holy Spirit's our advocate, our helper. He guides us. He'll help us in our weakness. In fact, Paul wrote Romans 8, 26. Romans 8, 26 says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. You see, we don't know how to pray, but we can pray in the Spirit. Now, some of you think, okay, pray in the Spirit, Pastor Chris, hold on. Are you talking about, like, praying in tongues? Well, the Bible does talk about that. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 14, he talks about a prayer language, he talks about praying in tongues. But the Bible also makes a very distinct difference between praying in tongues, where in a corporate setting at church, someone gives a message in perhaps another language, and then there's interpretation, okay? Paul talks about that. But he also talks about a prayer language, your own praying in the spirit. This is you personally at home to yourself. The Bible talks about, in fact, Jude even talks about how when I pray in the spirit, what am I doing? I'm encouraging, I'm edifying, I'm building myself. So when I am weak and I feel overwhelmed and I feel like I'm at the end of myself, I can tap into a strength and a grace. When I'm in need, he will help me in my weakness. I don't know what to pray, how to pray, but when I pray in the Spirit, the Spirit of God prays through me, and I'm encouraged, and I'm empowered. Paul said this, 1 Corinthians 14, 15, what is the outcome then? I will pray with the Spirit, but I will pray with the mind also. So it's not about elitism, and it's not about confusion. It's about praying in the Spirit to bring peace, to bring empowerment, to bring edification to yourself. In those moments where you feel weak and you're in your greatest moment of need, Jesus meets you where you're at and he encourages you and helps you. I thought about you and I think at the end of the day, what's the bottom line? The bottom line is you're in a battle. And sometimes you're in a battle more than you realize you're in a battle. But Jesus says the Holy Spirit comes and is an advocate for you. He's a helper for you. He's an advantage for you. And that there is a divine power you have access to. But the question is, are you accessing it? But you can. You can access it. Because you think about worry. Think about being overwhelmed. Think about fear. We kind of put together as we're putting the message together, we started looking at all the scriptures that talk about the Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Lord being with us. Because what you're walking through, you're not alone. And when you start meditating on God's word and you start looking at his promises, can I tell you, it encourages you. You start looking at these. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. The Lord of hosts is with us. So do not fear. I will provide for you. All of these things. You start reading this. You start meditating on it. 
can I tell you, you start getting encouraged. You start seeing your circumstance differently. You start accessing a divine power that otherwise you would not have access to that helps you navigate what you're walking through. So how do we have that? How do we, how do we grow in our relationship with the Holy Spirit? It's real simple. Luke eleven thirteen. how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? There's a divine power you have access to. And all you have to do is ask. My hope and my prayer is that you're encouraged, you're equipped, you're empowered, you have a better understanding of who the person of the Holy Spirit is. Maybe some barriers you've had to navigate or you're currently navigating when it comes to engaging with the person of the Holy Spirit. But as you do, you're gonna have access to a divine power that otherwise you wouldn't. 